Today I want to talk to you, whenever we think about being Christ-like, there's probably not very many of us that would want to be the first one to raise our hands and say, my life is like the Lord Jesus Christ. Or, or look at me, like Paul said. I'll be the example for you to look at. It almost goes back, and it's somewhat humbling whenever we think about some of these biblical themes and topics that we've been dealing with on a weekly basis. You know, a few weeks ago, it was holiness. And we were talking about how to live a holy life. But today it's cross-likeness. And the theme, the biblical theme for this week is that our lives would start to resemble the Lord Jesus Christ in our actions, in our reactions, in our thought life. No matter how, how long we've been a Christian, no matter how spiritually mature we may or may not be, we all should be striving for the same goal. And what is that goal? That goal is to be like Christ. Look in your Bibles, if you will, please, in Philippians chapter 2, or 3, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 and following. Listen to what Paul was writing. He says, not that I have already reached the goal. Well, let's stop. What is the goal? I mean, if Paul is striving for the goal, we need to know what the goal is. What is the goal? Well, he mentioned what the goal was back up in verse number 10. So let's call time out. Let's look in our Bibles. Let's scoop back up to verse number 10 where Paul said, My goal is, here he's going to reveal it, to know Him. My goal is to know Him. And you know what that word means when it talks about, when Paul said, My goal is to know Him. Paul wanted to have this personal, experiential knowledge of who Jesus Christ really was. I remember the first time I really ever got a hold of that verse. The first time that verse really spoke to me was many years ago as I was studying through the book of Philippians. And I came to verse number 10 and it was just bewildering to me that Paul would make a statement, I want to know Him. Well, my mind went immediately back to the book of Acts where it talks about Paul being on the road to Damascus. And when he was on the road to Damascus, we know that there something transforming took place in his life. What took place? You know the story. That's where he met the Lord. He had that Damascus Road experience. That's when Paul was converted. That's when he became a believer. So the very first time that I read verse number 10 of Philippians chapter 3, where Paul said, the goal for me is to know him. I thought, Paul, you already know him. You already met him. You were introduced to him on the road to Damascus. So what does it mean when Paul said, for the goal for my life is to know him? It simply means that Paul wanted to know him in a more personal, in a more experiential manner in his life. He wanted to grow in his grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted to experience the resurrection power in his life that Jesus revealed on resurrection morning. Paul wanted to grow in his faith more than where he was at that present time. Paul wanted to be more like Christ. I wonder, is that our goal? Is that the desire of our heart? That we be more like Christ? The goal is to be more like Christ. I want you to see that. Back in our scripture, in verse 12. Not that I have already reached the goal, 
or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal, there it is, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those. Get this. And observe those. I have lost my place. Where am I in this scripture? What verse? Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Get this now in verse 18. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, Oh, may this be none of us, that many live, living out their lives, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Wow! Wow! Paul said there's many that profess to be believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the way that they're living their life, they're living as enemies of the cross. They are not modeling the servanthood leadership of the Lord Jesus. They are not modeling the self-sacrificing service of the Lord Jesus. Matter of fact, the life that they're living... Paul points out that they're living as enemies of the cross. May that be none of us today. Verse 19. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are, get this, focused on earthly things. What are you focused on? What am I focused on? Paul said there's some believers running around Philippi. They're living their daily lives as enemies of the cross. And the reason they're doing that is because they're focused on earthly things. But he says, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, call a time out here. There's something you need to know about this. When Paul says that our citizenship, the word citizenship rang loudly through the city of Philippi. you got to understand a little bit about Philippi. Philippi was a Roman colony. Now Rome was many miles away. But Philippi was a Roman colony. And the majority of the people that lived in Philippi were citizens of Rome. Now, in Paul's day, to be a Roman citizen, socially, was one of the highest positions that you could ever acquire or have. Matter of fact, if you were a Roman citizen, you walked around with a little bit prouder look. You you respected Rome. You protected the dignity of the city. 
You invested in all of the endeavors of Rome. But Paul is talking to some Christians, to some believers that have accepted Christ as their Savior. Yes, they are of the city of Philippi. Yes, they are Roman citizens. But he's saying, listen, you're earthly focused. I mean, all your excitement and all of your zeal and all of your energy and all of your enthusiasm and all of your efforts, you're tying into your Roman citizenship. He said, but we, as believers, are part of another city. We're citizens of a higher calling than being citizens of Rome. We're citizens of heaven. And our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That didn't cost you anything. Just a little something I wanted you to see as you study Scripture. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. Don't stop there. The paragraph really doesn't stop until chapter 4, verse 1. So then, so then, why did he put that there? He's tying in chapter 3, everything that he just said. So then, in this way, my dearly loved brothers, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. This week, I think, has been a tremendous study in our clear curriculum as we have all studied together, and hopefully you're still engaged in that study with us and, and doing the daily devotions each and every day because it helps prepare you for even coming in here on Sunday morning. But our focus this week has been on maturing as believers. And as we mature as believers, we become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, that's God's goal for your life and for my life. He's in the process of of forming us. You know, we're the clay that's still on the potter's wheel, and He's still molding us, informing us into the image of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But how does that happen? How can we live our lives in such a way that we become more like Christ? Well, I want to share with you very quickly, and I promise you I'll I'll get through this quickly. I want to share with you five essentials for becoming Christ-like. Five essentials that we must have in our life in order to be more like Christ. Number one, jot this down. Sermon notes are on the back of your yellow page there. Jot this down. Number one. To be like Christ, essential number one, just write down the word dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. Or out beside it, you may want to write the word discontented. I mean, look if you will in verse number 12. Paul is saying, not that I have already reached the goal or am fully mature. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, I'm not where I need to be. I'm In essence, I'm not satisfied with where I am right now. I mean, there's something more in my life that I want to experience. What is that? The power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to know Him in a personal way. I want to experience Him in a personal way. I want to grow closer to Him. Listen, guys, it's not enough just to accept Christ as our Savior and just be a Christian. Yes, that'll get you into heaven. Amen? I mean, it's a good and wonderful thing. But God's will for all of our lives is that we be growing. That our thought life, our actions, our reactions, everything is getting restructured and we are becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the only way that you're ever going to start growing is you've got to be dissatisfied with where you are right now. 
I mean, there's not a believer in this room today. And I don't care if you accepted Christ last week or if you accepted Christ 40 years ago. There's not a a believer in this room today that should be satisfied with where you are in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Every single one of us can move up a little closer. Hello? Every single one of us can learn a little more about the Lord. Every single one of us can memorize some more Scripture. Every single one of us, if we do an inventory of our life, there's some areas in our life that you know as well as I do that aren't pleasing to the Lord. I mean, there's room for improvement for every one of us. So if we're going to be more like Christ, then we've got to, first step number one, we can't be content with where we are. There's got to be the dissatisfaction that must settle in our heart, the discontentment on where we are as a Christian and as a believer. You've probably seen this card. Put up my little ship card. You've probably seen this. This is a... Uh, you see this in a lot of leadership conferences and leadership areas and, and where you, you, you really want to encourage some of your leaders to step on out there and, and take some risk. But it says this. It says, a ship in the harbor is safe. But that's not what ships were made for. Hello? A ship in the harbor is beautiful. It's safe. But that's not what it was made for. It was made to set sail. On the great seas that are out there. Guys, you know what? As a Christian, as a believer, just accepting Christ and just being a believer and settling for the status quo in your spiritual life, that's not what you were made for. You were made to become more like Christ. It's time that we all spiritually take a few more risks. It's time that we all spiritually step out a little more. It's time that we all spiritually challenge ourselves a little bit to grow in our faith and grow in our Bible knowledge and become more like, like Christ. You weren't made just to be saved. You weren't made to just be a believer. God has wonderful plans for your life. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. He says He has wonderful plans for you. But unless you start growing in your faith, unless you start growing in your spiritual life, unless you start trimming off some areas in your life that keep you from from living out this cross-like example, then you're never going to be able to achieve all the wonderful things that God has in store for you. So I hope and pray that we're not satisfied with where we are. So dissatisfaction is the first word. Number two, essential number two, there must be devotion. Not only dissatisfaction, but to be like Christ, there's got to be devotion. Once again, in verse number 12, Paul says, Not that I have already reached the goal, or am ready, or already fully mature. Get this next phrase. He says, But I make every effort to take hold of it. It. What is it? The goal. I'm making every effort to grow. I'm making every effort to become more like Christ. I'm making every effort to know Him. I'm striving for that. I'm devoted to that. Are you devoted to that? Paul is saying, I'm pursuing that. I'm constantly pursuing that. I am in daily pursuit of that. I am completely set out, sold out to acquire that. I'm devoted to it. And God's not only must we be discontented or dissatisfied with where we are, but we've got to be devoted to the cause of Christ. You know what I think is wrong, what's wrong a lot of times with the church? Is we got too many fair-weather Christians. 
I mean, hey, they want to get in when everything's exciting. Hello? But when we go through some hard times, when we go through some valleys, when we go through some difficult stages in our church or in our Christian life, it's almost like we bail out on God. You know, we need, we need a church full of people and we need Christians today that are just devoted for the cause of Christ. I mean, it doesn't matter what's coming in my life. I am not turning away from the Lord. Have you driven that stake in the, in the sand of your life? Have you just made a stand and say, I am completely devoted to Christ and being more like Him and living a life devoted to Him? Well, to be like Christ, we've got to be devoted. Amen? Thirdly, essential number three, jot this one down. Not only dissatisfaction or discontentment, whichever word you want to put there, not only must we be devoted, but thirdly, we must have direction. We've got to be going in the right direction. Philippians 3 and 13, Paul says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and reaching forward to what is ahead. I mean, Paul knew which direction he was going in. I mean, he knew what was behind him. And he knew what was ahead of him. And before you can ever score a touchdown... And by the way, Stephen, I kind of flipped through the channels yesterday. And I saw Texas a oh my! I don't think they knew where the end zone was. They didn't know where the goal was. So maybe that's why they struggled. You see, before we can ever score a touchdown, we've got to know where the goal line is. Are you guys with me this morning? Before we can ever score, we got to know where the goal is. Matter of fact, I think I missed this one. I don't know if it was yesterday or the week before. All these football games that I'm watching are kind of running together. But there was someone that made an interception on the other team. I think Mascuda was playing them. And, and he ran the wrong direction. Where's Brad? Did that, when was that? Was at Water, Waterloo last week. You're right. Waterloo, the team that Mascuda was playing, intercepted the football, and the guy that intercepted the football for Waterloo was so excited that he intercepted it that he ran the wrong way. And his own team literally had to come down and tackle him and turn him around and get him going the other direction. You see, guys, if we're going to grow and mature to become more like Christ, we've got to go the right direction. We've got to know what direction we're going. We've got to know that we are going to be more like Christ. I'm reminded whenever I think about going in the right direction, I'm reminded of a story back in the book of Genesis. You may be familiar with the story. It's the story of, of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and his family were down in, in that city, which is a sinful city. And the angels of the Lord came down and told Lot, said, Lot, get you and your family, get on out of here. Leave. Leave the city of Sodom immediately and do not look back. Do not turn back. Leave. And of course, the story tells us in Scripture that Lot's wife, as she was leaving, going in the right direction to the place where the Lord wanted them to go. I'm having a problem with this thing, Daniel. Going in the direction that the Lord wanted them to go. For some reason, Lot's wife stopped and she turned and looked back towards Sodom. And the Scripture tells us that as soon as she did that, she became what? A pillar of salt. I wonder... Are we like that from time to time? Do we look back at some of the old things we used to do in the flesh? 
Do we look back to some of these sinful lifestyles that we may have been involved in prior to accepting Christ as our Savior? And do we occasionally look back with a longing in our heart and maybe just a little bit of an experience with that old man? Guys, ladies, gentlemen, if we're doing that, there's no way we can become like Christ by looking back at the old life. Because there's nothing there. The old man is dead. Amen? There's a new man now. The new man's walking in the newness of life, following the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't look back to the sinful ways of the past. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. And Paul said, this one thing I know, I forget what's behind me, and I reach forward to what is ahead. And I hope and pray you're doing that. Essential number four, determination. In order for us to become more cross-like, dissatisfaction or discontentment must be there. Devotion to the cause of Christ must be there. The direction that we're going must be there. We must be keeping our eyes on Jesus and headed that way. But then determination must settle in. I mean, we just must, must be completely devoted to that. In Philippians 3, verses 13 through 14, the text we've studied all week long, Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. Have you noticed how humble Paul is? Now to me, other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, Paul was the greatest preacher. He was the greatest evangelist. He was the greatest church planner. And one of the greatest Christians that ever walked the face of the earth. But listen to what he said. He said, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. He says, I have not reached the goal. I have not completely spiritually matured. I have not obtained everything that I feel God has in store for me. He's a pretty humble man, is he not? But one thing I do, forget what's behind, reach toward what is ahead. Verse 14, I pursue. You need to get a hold of that word. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. And that word pursue just simply means, Paul saying, I am determined. I pursue as my goal. I'm determined as my goal. The prize promised by God's heavenly Father. I'm also reminded over in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 8. I don't think it's on the screen. I don't think. Maybe it is. I can't remember what I put on there. But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, the Apostle Paul said something like this. He said, train yourself into godliness. For the training of the body has limited benefit. But godliness is beneficial in every way. Since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Paul says, train yourself. He says, be determined. He's saying in Philippians, pursue the call and have that determination. By the way, Jesus was determined. I don't have time to go and unpack this scripture. I've got to bring this thing to a close. But we go back and look in Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56. If you just want to jot the reference down. Luke 9, 51 through 56. You'll find that Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. He went through a village of the Samaritans. They wanted him to stay there. He didn't want to stay. He was determined to go to Jerusalem, knowing that when he got there, he would die there. That determination we need. Essential number five, last one, jot this one down. Discipline. Determination, then discipline. Philippians 3 and 16, in any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Live up to it. 
The truth that you do know, the knowledge that you do have, live it out. Discipline yourself to live out the truth that you already know. And then you'll be able to gain more truth. A lot of people are so, in their Christian life, they're so concerned about what they don't know that they waste time not living out what they do know. Now, I'm not against studying and trying to learn and figure out what you don't know. But don't try to learn more until you're mastering what you already do know. Hello? Discipline yourself with the truth that you already have. If there's an area in your life that you're struggling with, guess what? God's going to continue to allow you to struggle in that area until you pass the test. You see, God does something. He'll test us all the time. And He'll test us over and over and over again until we pass it. And once we pass it, we move on. We live out this, this test we've just passed. We're living it out now in our daily life. And then there's going to be another test. And it takes discipline to work ourselves through all of those. But what happens is years down the road we look back and then we look at our life and we think, man, I've really grown as a believer. I've really grown as a Christian. My life is more like Christ today than it was a year ago or two years ago or three or five or ten or twenty. That's the goal, guys. That's the plan. And it takes discipline. I want to give you four things real quickly that will help you exercise this discipline and that will help you to become more like Christ. Number one is the Word of God. You've got to be in the Word of God on a daily basis. The Word of God. Number two is prayer. You've got to be praying on a daily basis. Paul prayed for the believers in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 13, 9, he said, We also pray for this, your maturity. We've got to be praying. Number three, follow a godly example. Find someone in your life that you know, that you respect, that's a godly person, and follow their example. That's what he said in verse number 17, Philippians 3. He said, join in imitating me. Find you a mentor, spiritual godly mentor, and follow their example. And then number four, just write down the word trials. And don't get upset when trials and difficult times come. Because that's what molds us. That's really just the potter putting a little bit more pressure on the clay. Because right there is an intricate part in the vessel. Hopefully it's going to be a vessel of honor. But it's a very integral part of that vessel where the thumbs are coming in on the clay. What does that look like for us? It's the trials that we go through. And guys, those trials are used to help us become more like Christ. So let me ask you a question in closing. Are you, as you look at your own life, are you becoming more like Christ? Could you say today, as a Christian, as a believer, that I am more like Christ today than I was last year this time? I am more like Christ today in my thought life, in my actions, in my reactions, in the way I treat people, on the job, as a worker, as an employer, I am more like Christ today than I was last year or yesterday. And if any of us can look in our lives and say, oh, I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can say I am. Then we need to make some changes. 
And it all starts with not being satisfied with where you are. Dissatisfaction. Discontentment. And then from there it progresses to being wholeheartedly devoted to follow Christ. Go the right direction. Be determined to follow Him. And discipline yourself. I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I'm going to ask our deacons and their wives if they will to step to the side in the back of the auditorium. And as they're getting in place, maybe as you're doing an inventory in your life, maybe you need help in a particular area. Maybe you have a concern in your life. Maybe you need someone to pray with you. That's why these spiritual leaders are in place right now to help you. Ladies, there's ladies there for you to go pray with. Guys, there's men back there for you to pray with. Are you more Christ-like? Men, if I ask your wives, is your husband more like Christ today than he was when you first married him? Is he more like Christ today than he was last year? Men, I hope your wives could say, yes, he is. He's a godly man. Men, maybe you look at your life and you think, man, I think I could do better in some areas. Do business with God today. Ladies, if I look to your husband and I ask your husband, is your wife more like Christ today than she was a year ago or two or three or when you first married her? Ladies, would your husbands be able to say, boy, she is a godly woman. She loves the Lord. And I just see Jesus all in her. Hopefully that's how we both can answer. But ladies, maybe as you look at your life, as a wife and as a mother, maybe there's some areas that you're not comfortable with. Maybe there's some areas that you feel that you need help in. I want to ask you to take that to the Lord in prayer. Maybe you're here today and you've never entered into a personal relationship with Christ. And I'm not inviting you to church membership. I'm not inviting you to religion. I'm inviting you to a relationship with Christ. Do you know Him? Paul says, my goal is to know Him. Do you know Him? Have you entered into that relationship? I just want you to know He loves you. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. It doesn't matter what's taking place in your life. God loves you. And He always will. So may I ask you, will you allow Him to come into your life and be your Lord and your Savior? Give your life to Christ today. If you need help in that area, I'm going to ask you to go to one of our families in the back and they'll help you pray and enter into that relationship. Let me pray for you. Then we're going to have a song of invitation. Whatever decision it is you need to make today, you can make it there in your seat. You can let us know on your connection card, on your in your brochure. You can get up out of your seat. You can go pray with these families in the back. But whatever we do, let's do business with God right now for the next few moments. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this service. Thank you, God, for the teachings we have in Philippians chapter 3. God, I pray that we all would be more like you. I pray that we'd grow in our faith and our knowledge of you. 
then it would leave the brain and enter to the heart and reveal itself in the actions of our life. Father, there's some men here today that need a touch from you. There's some ladies here today, God, that are struggling. And Lord, possibly there's someone here today that needs to give their life to you. Whatever the decisions are, God, we bathe them in prayer. We pray your will would be done and that we would respond in a way that...